đời sông núi anh em ta đáp đời sông núi quyết bảo vệ sang sang ta thể chết cho quê hương at host my radio it's on on every monday and every friday and host my radio welcome to the show thank you and welcome to this week episode of team cow my radio today happy monday we're right now in the 215th episode of of this of this podcast and of course i'm pretty happy that we're making it far enough and also and also thank you to all the people who were part of the 20th ceremony um last week you did a pretty terrific job hopefully we can carry on what we're doing for student government association of course this is not connected to student government so hope so i'm trying to keep it out just a little bit anyway and there's a lot there's um there's a radio show coming there's a radio show this friday so hopefully you guys can join it hope you guys can you know join in and maybe talk about a lot of stuff we'll be talking we'll be talking about the governor's the the one well, governor we'll be change we'll be talking about the student the um mayor changing political parties which is a uh, a while back so we're gonna be so we're gonna be looking at what's going on and see why people are hating this guy pretty hard wholeheartedly and there's gonna be a lot to talk about so hope you guys can join in and we're gonna be talking about the bill that was passed in the house basically a to prevent government shutdown so we're gonna be talking about that and a lot of stuff we're gonna be we're gonna be going on we'll be going we'll be going around the podcast we're gonna be talking the ratio we're gonna be talking about and let's get into our uh, podcast. Make sure to tune in every Monday and Wednesday. Fr- every Monday and Friday, I apologize. Monday and Wednesday, fr- Monday and Friday for our podcast. I'm going over the place here. I'm sorry, I'm pretty exhausted. But Monday and Friday. Soul activist marks ninth anniversary of Hong Kong's 2014 pro-democracy umbrella movement. A soul activist marked the ninth anniversary of Hong Kong's pro-democracy umbrella movement on Thursday, calling for the release of political prisoners. Grandma Alexandra Wong stood outside government's headquarters in Admiralty at 5.58pm on Thursday, marking the moment on September 28, 2014, when the police first fired tear gas at demonstrators around Harcourt Road. The clash sparked a 79-street occupation for universal suffrage after a white paper from Beijing suggested election candidates should be pre-approved. Mid-Autumn Festival is the second biggest festival for the Chinese. Everyone wants to spend the festival with their family. I want the release of all political prisoners, Wong told Hong Kong Free Press on Thursday. And she did set this on a, um, a live stream with Hong Kong Free Press. She carried a yellow umbrella, a color associated with Hong Kong's pro-democracy movement. I think that nobody will forget this day, Wong added, saying that other people may not want to risk arrest by marking the anniversary. The 67-year-old activist, who was jailed last year for unlawful assembly, said that police had suggested she remain at home during the upcoming National Day festivities on Sunday. I got a polite suggestion. They scare me. Something like I had I had better stay home, stay at home. When approached for comments, a police spokesperson told Hong Kong Free Press on Friday that the force will act on the basis of, of the circumstances and law. Police will make appropriate operational deployments in accordance with the threats to public safety, public order, and national security. Are there not allowed? Was going out commemorating, holding yellow umbrellas, and carrying you know bad, um, you know, plaques that says something about the umbrella movement, does that really cause any problem? Not really. If you're not shoving it in someone's face, then maybe it's a different story. But, they're just out here demonstrating, commemorating it. Does it really matter? Maybe. Maybe. But you shouldn't, you should uh, let them do it, nonetheless. That's their freedom of expression. Isn't that written in the basic law? Written in their constitution, on their stuff that they're suppo- that they wrote with the government? 
The spokesperson declined to disclose how many officers were set to be deployed on Sunday, but confirmed that they had no they have received no notification for a, any public protest or rally to be held. Wong was nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize by the UK's all-party parliamentary group on Hong, on Hong Kong after being arrested in 2019. Hong Kong Press also noted a bunch of white flyers left at the site. In local culture, white flyers represents mourning. The wall nearby was previously the home of the Lenin Wall, a colorful wall with a pro-democracy post-it note messages. So, it's pretty depressing to not see much people go out there and protest or go out there at least hold a rally or whatever. But it's great to see people laying white flowers. Now, this is a time when an activist got beaten, time when God knows what's going on. When the government is just spend time firing, you know, firing their tear gas and basically beating people up with batons, beating people in the head with batons, which is the stupidest idea ever. Because I can guarantee you, if you hit someone in the head and they end up, end up bleeding and they're getting killed from that, that's the responsibility of the officers for screwing that part up. So I can get... A lot of people got upset because of that time period. Many people why are the police beating people up? They're protesting. It's just... It's just it makes it's nonsense for this government to do this kind of thing. And it's true. Why would the government do this kind of thing, of course? And these... It shows that the CY government at the time was very incompetent, showed no remorse whatsoever for what happening, especially young people going out there protesting, asking for a clean and democratic government. China rejects State Department report claiming Beijing spends billions to spread disinformation globally. China on Saturday accused the United States of being an quote-unquote empire of lies, heading back after a State Department report Claim Beijing spends billions of dollars to spread to spread disinformation globally. The report released Thursday by the U.S. State Department Global Engagement Center accused China of financing propaganda, disinformation, and censorship while boosting while boosting positive news about the country and its leadership. A top official from the center said that if if unchecked. This could result in a slow, steady destruction of democratic values. Beijing responded by alleging the report itself is quote-unquote disinformation as in misrepresents facts and truth. It is, the United, it is the U.S. that invented the weaponizing of the global information space, a Chinese foreign ministry spokesperson said in a statement published by the official Xinhua News Agency. Facts have proven time and, get, time and again that the U.S. is an empire of lies. Through and through. The, the, the State Department reports allege that China suppresses information that goes against its position on, content, on contentious issues such as its human rights record, especially in Xinjiang. The Chinese Foreign Ministry spokesperson referenced the enormous lie made up to smear China's Xinjiang policy. Beijing has repeatedly rejected accusations that it had caught incarcerated more than 1 million Uyghurs and other Muslim minorities in a network of detention facilities in the northwestern region. More and more people in the world have already seen through the U.S. ugly attempt to, per- to perpetrate its supremacy by weaving lies into, em- into emperor's new clothes and smearing others, the ministry spokesperson said. Um, if there's more people coming, more people coming out and they're saying this and that, they're saying what happened to them, there's no way that it could be a. There's no way it could be a lie. I guarantee you that. There's no way that is a lie. If it was a lie, they would get paid millions of dollars to do this kind of thing. But I'm not sure they or not. They're not being paid. Ap- they're not being paid at all. So if you're saying they're being paid, it just sounds very, very ridiculous. Because the gov- because the government loves to do this kind of things. If they if they are saying, oh, you're spreading fears or whatever, spreading this and that, spreading this and that and this and that. But at the same time, it sounds like their their tongues are hiding something, and you str- try to strongly reject it. So I can take this example. I could take that as like your your wife asks you what's going on, right? Your wife is asking you what's going on, and then you and then you. She find out that you're cheating on her, right? And then you keep protesting, saying, "No, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't cheat anybody." 
and she still knows you're cheating anyway. That's what China is. That's what the Communist Party is doing right now, denying what's going, denying what they have done. Once that once it's exposed, there's no way you can hide it at all. Let's get back into well. Yesterday was China National Day. Yay, National Day where the Communist Party bloody takeover of Beijing. They bloody takeover of China and where they established the People's Republic of China. That pre- I'm pretty sure that's create fabulous, a fabulous time period, with seventy million people died in Mao's time. And pictures, China's development gives Hong Kong endless opportunities. Chief Executive John Lee says on National Day. China's development over the years has given Hong Kong endless opportunities, Chief Executive John Lee has said as top officials gather for a reception celebrating National Day on Sunday. Addressing guests at the at the Hong Kong Convention and Exhibition Center following a flag raising ceremony outside in the Grand on uh, the Golden Bania, um, Bania Square. Lee hailed China's achievements despite the backdrops of geopolitical uncertainty. Over the past five years, the country's economic growth has been above 5%. This is clearly more, higher than the global average growth of 2.6%, Lee said in Cantonese. I'm pretty sure people should look and see if that's actually true. If it's not true, I don't know what to say. On this journey of strong nation, nation building and the rejuvenation of the nation, the country has pushed forth with opening up and comprehensively promoted high quality development, bringing Hong Kong endless opportunities, he added. Even though there's still plenty of people still, you know, homeless, and many people still haven't got a job yet. And they're struggling to find one. Many young people are still struggling to find one. Lee was joined on stage by seeing by senior officials, including Chief Secretary Eric Chen, Financial Secretary Paul Chen, the convener of the Executive Council, Virginia Yip, as well as Legislative Council President Andrew Lung. Sunday marked the 74th anniversary of the founding of the People's Republic of China, as officials attended the flag-raising ceremony. A secondary school choir sang the national anthem, and helicopters and boats passed through the harbor. Sunday was the first national was the first national day since strict COVID-19 restrictions were lifted earlier this year. A public viewing area at the flag-raising ceremony, which was closed during the past three years as the story cited the pandemic, was not reopened on Sunday. During the reception speech, Lee said 2023 was a symbolic year because it marked the 10th anniversary of the Belt and Road Initiative, as well as the 20th anniversary of the Closer Economic Partnership Agreement, or SEPA. A trade agreement bringing the Hong bringing the Hong Kong and China markets closer. This year also marked the three decades since the list the listing of H eight shares or shares of mainland companies listed on Hong Kong stock exchange. Lee said, over the years he added, trade volumes between Hong Kong and mainland has doubled, and the number of listed companies in Hong Kong has tripled since 1993. These concrete figures clearly reflect the opportunities and achievements that China's development has brought to Hong Kong, Lee said. Traditionally a day of protest with mass, with mass marches and rallies from civil society groups, National Day, national day has, has not seen such scenes since Beijing imposed a national security law in June 2020. According to AP, police has increased surveillance of activists, discouraging rallies, paying home visits ahead of sensitive dates, and summoning protest leaders for warning chats. Police confirmed to Hong Kong Press on Friday that they had received no notification for any public protest or rally to be held. When asked how many officers were to be deployed on Sunday, police declined to comment. Local media outlets cited sources as saying that 7,500 officers would be on standby citywide. With COVID-19 restrictions lifted, Fireworks will will light up Hong Kong night skies at 9 p.m. on national on National Day for the first time since 2018. The 18 million dollars display now making this up. The 18 million dollar display coming out of Hong Kong taxpayer money is this. We'll see eight scenes, including one with red hearts to represent joy and unity, according to corporate sponsors Hong Kong Telecom and FWD Insurance. 
Meanwhile, the city has rolled out a host of special offers, including half-price movie tickets and free rides on tr- on tr- on trains and certain ferries routes. The government calls on restaurants and shopping malls to launch designated discounts. Leading up to National Day, Hong Kong and China's flag bunting and and posters have appeared across the city. When asked by Hong Kong Free Press about the cost of the patriotic decorations in the local districts, a Home Affairs Department spokesperson on Friday did not give an exact figure. Authorities have coordinated the display of a total of over 110,000 festive articles, including national flags, celebratory banners, stickers, st- uh, stickers, posters, lamppost buntings, LED displays, flower displays, lighting, and large installations at about 3,000 locations, they said. The cost of festive, uh, festive displays are absorbed by respective bureaus and departments from within their existing resources, according to the principle of fiscal prudence. The spokesperson added that the patriotic paraphernalia will remain on display until mid to late October. I don't know how much money does exactly how much money does Hong Kong has for these kind of crazy things is unknown. Of course, it's common for every country to have these kind of things, but we're just wondering how much money does the economy that Hong Kong has to go through for them to have this much money to actually to actually have this kind of event. Not that you don't want, not that I don't want it to have that kind of event, but at the same time. How much money when they re- try to recover from the economy after three years of closing the, closing Hong Kong and shutting down Hong Kong itself? Hong Kong's oldest church building displays China's flag for the first time on National Day. Hong Kong's oldest church building has displayed the Chinese national flag during a service for the first time. As the priest who proposed the move said some people's reactions were rooted in misunderstanding of the country. You mean misunderstanding the government, not misunderstanding the country. St. John's Cathedral, built in 1849, and the parish parish church up up St. Kun Hui, Hong Kong's Angelican Angelican Church, held its its regular Mandarin language service at 10.30 a.m. on Sunday. The Chinese flags were placed next to the pulpit, uh, pulpit, in the nave for the first time in the cathedral history to mark National Day, the 74th anniversary of the founding of the People's Republic of China. The move was suggested suggested in May by lawmaker Peter Kuhn, local media reported. Kuhn, a serving cathedral chaplain and a former provincial secretary general of Shen Kum Hui, was, was elected as a member of the city's patriot-only legislature in December 2021. Bishop of Hong Kong of Hong Kong Island, Matthias Durr, who led the who led the service, began by noting the presence of the flag. We're here to pray for the country, and the flag is here to commemorate National Day. He said in Mandarin. During the service, Kuhn said there had been had been some online debates over why the church would display the national flag. According to the local media reports, over 140 people had signed petitions against. Um, against Kuhn's proposal to display the flag. And we would, if we were to display the British flag before 1997, would there be a same volume of the uh, debate online? Maybe it's because we have some instance of the country, Kuhn said during a Mandarin language sermon. There is a period in every country that, if held to the scrutiny of modern standards, would require improvements, Kuhn said. We praise the Lord for what the country had done well in the, com- in the past. And we pray for God's grace, mercy, and help for what, for what could have been done, done better in our country. Responding to questions about online criticism, Quinn said the Angelican Court, Angelican um, Church, has never separated church and state, and has always wanted to express more to mark National Day. It's natural for Hong Kong for Hong Kongers to hold diver, uh, diverse opinions, placing the national flag. At services is not uncommon. Many places do the same, Kuhn told Hong Kong Free Press and Cantonese after the service. He added that the national flag will be displayed at national at National Day services in the future. Unlike in mainland China, which is officially atheist and exercises strict controls over religions, 
Freedom of faith in Hong Kong is protected by the city's meaning constitution, the basic law. However, a number of high-profile religious leaders have expressed concerns that such freedoms may be eroded under the Beijing Post National Security Law, which was introduced in June 2020. Cardinal Joseph Zen was arrested by National Security Police on suspicion of foreign collusion last May. Before being released without charge, he was separately found guilty of failing to register a protester's relief fund he was a, trust- he was a trustee of and fined $4,000. In, in recent years, the Catholic Diocese of Hong Kong has stopped holding masses to commemorate the victims of the Tiananmen crackdown. When hundreds if not thousands were killed as the People's Liberation Army dispersed pro-democracy protesters in Beijing on June 4, 1989. From that year until, ni- until 2021, the U.S. held masses in Hong Kong to remember those who died. So Hong Kong, is, so it's okay for Hong Kong to hold these kind of events, but when it comes, but when it comes to the Hong, to the commemorations of the Tiananmen Square massacre, they're not allowed to hold it. So it's kind of a double, it's a really double standards if that hap- when that happens. You can hold this, but you cannot hold the other one. Not fair. Does that sound fair, right? Because it's not. Low turnout at Hong Kong's daytime daytime night markets, quote unquote, as vendors lament having to close for National Day fireworks. The daytime opening of a Wan Chai night market um, designed to jumpstart the city's evening economy saw a disappointing turnout on, Nash, on National Day. Vendors have said, but some remain hopeful that visitors would return after the 9 p.m. fireworks display. Visitors were few and far between on Sunday afternoon, the 74th anniversary of the founding pe- of the founding of the People's Republic of China. After the government on th- after the government on Thursday told vendors that they would have to close by 5 p.m. as a crowd control measures as spectators as spectators filled the promenade for the fireworks, they would be allowed to reopen their stalls at 10:30 p.m after the pyrotechnics display and remain operational until 2 in the morning. Choi, who, who was operating a snack stall on Sunday afternoon, said mutual understanding was the only way to cope with the awkward arrangements. You are telling us we can set up shops, but as you can see, we're just sitting here and waiting to leave, she said gesturing at the sparsely populated waterfront. But it's understandable, the government was short on time. They only started recruiting stalls in early September, she said. Howard Swayze says she would not be reopening her stalls later that night. There was no way we're gonna we're gonna wait six hours. That's just really strange. I can't go home, but I can't just wait here either, she said. And that many other stall operators had chosen not to re- not to open on Sunday, compared to the seeing on Mid Autumn Festival this Friday. The night, the night markets, which opens at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning, was almost devoid of visitors, while more than half of the stalls were closed, according to Hong, to Hong Kong Free Press reports estimation. Hong Kong's night sky would later light up with more than 30,000 fireworks as the city puts on a $18 million fireworks display to celebrate China's National Day for the first time since 2018. The pyrotechnics were canceled in 2018 when the city was gripped by months-long pro-democracy protests and were not held throughout the COVID-19 pandemic when, the stri- when strict measures were in place to stop group gatherings. The Wan Chai Bazaar is part of the government's Night Vibes Hong Kong campaign that launched last month in a bid to jumpstart the city's nighttime economy after a prolonged pandemic era, era slump. The event got off to a rocky start on Wednesday when power outages left vendors unable to cook food. Speaking to reporters after a National Day banquet on Saturday night, Development Minister Bernadette Lin said that the government was not sure whether there would be a fireworks display when it, when it was in talks with the organizers, which was, which was why details about the arrangements on Sunday night were not clearly spelled out. The stalls operators were notified as soon as the details were finalized, Lin told reporters, adding that Hong Kong that authorities had to take into account public safety. Meanwhile, several other vendors told Hong Kong Press they would not be reopening later that night. Yip, who was helping out another snack another snack stall, said she was hoping traffic would pick up later in the afternoon. 
Maybe they can have a quick walk around before the fireworks start tonight. The 21-year-old added. The stall she was working at would not be would not be open reopening later that night, she added. In terms of manpower and logistics, it's a bit challenging. It's hard for us to plan where we can rest for five hours and we have to consider how employees are compensated for the first time for their time. Another stall stallholder, Wong, who was in his fifties, said he was still deciding whether to reopen that night, also citing scheduling issues. You're allowed to open until two in the morning, but by but by that time our employees would have to take a taxi back home. The timing isn't great. I think it was necess- I don't think it's ne- it was necessary to shut everything down, he said. Look at Jap look at Japan's fireworks festivals. They have a lot of pe- they have a lot of people too. I think the government needs more experience organizing night markets. So they're turning to Japan to look at that and saying that the government should do the same thing as they are. That's really surprising. He had that a few visitors that were at the markets that afternoon, less than 10% were from mainland China. On Sunday, more than 380,000 arrivals had crossed the city's border with mainland China as of 4 p.m., local media report. One stall that sold Taiwan-made soju would, re- be, would, be reopened, would be reopening after the fireworks. Chan's 37 years old, found it ironic that he was selling alcohol in the daytime. Who would be drink? Who would be drinking by now? He asked. While he was supportive of the government's push to revitalize Hong Kong's night economy, Chen said authorities should have should have reconsidered this situation from the Venice perspective. It's not that the government plan was bad, he said, but watching the fireworks with some booze and snacks, that was not so bad, is it? Chen was aware that other um, that several other stalls did not plan to open after dark. But he said he was hoping that people would stay and check out the night markets after the fireworks. Hung, the only person manning his stall on a Sunday afternoon, said he was mostly standing around until after the fireworks. He had sold out all of his food on Saturday night and was still waiting for the business partners to bring in new bring in new batch. It's kind of ridiculous, he said with a laugh. But we'll but we'll still reopen tonight. I think people will stick around. I don't know why the government plans cannot do this um, at least easy. It's just making it look more harder on these guys to work. You know, it's not that it's not that you know the government's having a big problem. It's just that these people. It's just that the Hong Kong. It's just that these people are just wondering: Is there any things that they can change? What's going on here? You know, because I can guarantee. I can guarantee you that if we if if they plan it out beforehand and they make sure that everything is in perf is in line to make sure that they don't messed up, well, they don't messed up. It was actually the government that messed it up completely, you know. So I'm hoping, some hoping the government in the future does not mess it up so badly that it led to a horrible turnout. Not the best turnout, I should tell you. Pro-China election winner Mohammed Mohammed Moisi Moizu vows to unite Maldives, releases ex-leader. The president-elect of the Maldives, Mohamed Moizu, secured the release of his jailed mentor on Sunday, a day after a divisive poll that saw the pro-Beijing leader vow to rebalance relations with New Delhi. With New Delhi. Bowing to Moizu's request, outgoing President Ibrahim Mohamed Salih ordered the transfer of his predecessor, Abdullah Yamin, from a high-security prison island to house to house arrest in the capital Ma, capital Mal, Malay. Hundreds of supporters cheered and waved pink flags of their, prog- of their progressive party of the Maldives as Yamin arrived at his home, party officials said. Muzu was a proxy candidate of Yamin, who is, who is still serving an 11-year sentence for corruption carried out when he was in power between 2013 and 2018. Officials said Suli did not have did not have powers to pardon Yamin, but the only concessions he could make was to transfer the convict to house arrest. Salih, 61, will serve as a caretaker president until his, success, his successor is inaugurated on November 17th. Shortly after he was declared a winner, Moizu, the 45-year-old current mayor of Mali, urged unity in the politically divided Sunni Muslim majority nation. No matter their political affiliation, 
There are all my deviant pres- uh, citizens in front of me. Uh, Muizu told supporters after his late after his win late Saturday, they are entitled to the same rights. They are entitled to the to equality in everything. Before his jailing, Yamin had le- led an India Out campaign to remove New Delhi New Delhi's deployment of a small detachment of security personnel to operate four reconnaissance aircraft gift to the archipelago. During his five year five years in power, Yamin had also shifted into China's orbit, moving away from India, which had been a traditional benefactors of the small but strategically important Indian Ocean neighbor. There was no immediate formal reaction from China, but the Chinese ambassador in Malay, Wang Lixing, reposted a local meme of Musu's victory on X, the former Twitter. The the ambassadors added warm congratulations and three claps emojis to a repost of the local Sun.mb media network's post um, post applauding Muizu. Washington congratulated the president-elect and said the two countries have a strong relationship based on on mutual respect and shared interests. The United States looks forward to deepening to. De- to deepen our partnership with the Maldives and expanding our people's-to-people's ties, the State Department said in a statement. India's pr- Prime Minister Narendra Modi was the f- among the first world leaders to congratulate Muzu on Sunday. New Delhi is committed to strengthening the time-tested India-Maldives bilateral relationship, Modi posted on social media platform X. The neighboring, the president of neighboring countries Neighboring Sri Lanka, Renil Rick, um, I'm just gonna call him President Renil, telephoned Muzu to express his heartfelt desire to alleviate, to alleviate, to elevate ties to a robust and multifaceted partnership. His office said, "The Maldives, a chain of atolls scattered 800 kilometers, 500 miles." Across the equators and known for its upmarket beach resorts, straddles one of the world's busiest east-west shipping lanes. Muizu won 54% of the votes in the runoff contest, prompting incumbent Sali to concede defeat shortly before midnight Saturday. Muizu told a meeting with the Chinese Communist Party officials last year that his party returned to office would script a further chapter of strong ties between our two countries. The results upend Salih's efforts to revert the country's diplomatic posture back towards India since taking office five years ago. So there you go. So we have people from the pro-China group is going to start doing this and that and them. I don't know how manipulative the Chinese government would be, but I'm hoping that they won't cause any massive problems or causing anything that will actually really destroy Hong Kong, destroy the Maldives completely. The only thing, I don't know what the uh, politics and Maldives is, so I'm just going to really leave at that. But I'm hoping people can, ha- people who are from the Maldives or actually plan to move there or have more information or more stuff about that country itself. I'm hoping people can actually talk about it a little more. At least try to say something otherwise, because I don't know how they, wor- I don't know how the system worked there. So I'm hoping that people can have their opinions on it. We're going to go back to Hong Kong National. On the National Day, mainland Chinese tourists flock to Hong Kong for first post-COVID National Day holiday, but do not plan to stay long. Thousands of mainland Chinese visitors have flocked to Hong- have flocked to Hong Kong as the city marked China's National Day on Sunday. It's first since all COVID-19 restrictions were lifted earlier this year. Many arrived in Hong Kong. From all over from all over China on high-speed trains via West Kowloon Station on Sunday morning. However, several said they would only stay in the city for a short trip. In the station, in the station's arrival hall, families, couples, and individuals speaking Mandarin were seen ferrying luggage and seeking the quickest route to their destination. Some declined to be interviewed by Hong Kong Press, saying they were just in Hong Kong for a day and did not have time to stop. We are visiting Hong Kong for the two to three days. A couple from Hangzhou who gave their names as Elena Chow and Knight Lee told Hong Kong Free Press in Mandarin. Another couple from Hangzhou, Susie Zhang and Wang, said 
also said they would stay in Hong Kong for two days before traveling to Macau. When asked about their plans in the city, both couples said they would rely on travel guides published on Chinese social media and e-commerce platform Xiaohongshu, which is increasingly popular among young mainland Chinese in search of, no- of novel, locales, novel locales to visit. Gao and Li said they, be- they believed that Hong Kong was familiar to mainland Chinese cities in the terms of prosperity. We're looking for a nostalgic, nostalgic feelings in Hong Kong said Gao, referring to the impression she had, she had of the city while scrolling on Xiaohongshu. Meanwhile, some mainland, some mainland tourists were already leaving on Sunday morning, including Shenzhen resident Yu and Li, uh, who were off to catch the train home after completing their three-day trip. Tourism represent, representatives earlier estimated that around 1 million Chi- Ming, uh, Ming Chinese tourists were expected to visit Hong Kong during the Golden Week holiday, which spent eight consecutive days from Friday. It's all, it all is also the first Golden Week since Beijing lifted all COVID-19 restrictions and overseas travel curves. Citing travel industry experts, local media reported that travelers were planning shorter trips compared to the with pre-pandemic levels. Rory Lowe, secretary, secretary of TIC and an owner of a travel agency, told, told Singtao Daily in, in mid-September that mainland Chinese tourist spending, ha- spending has also dropped. Lowe said the decline was attributed to China's economy sh- downturn and the depreciation of China's currency, the yuan. He said he believed spending would increase again once, this, once the yuan strengthened. Strengthened, Hong Kong's tourism sector, a pillar industry that contributes 3.6% of the city's gross domestic, um, gross domestic product or GDP, and employed around 232,700 people in 2019, according to government figures, which was particularly devast- particularly devastated by COVID-related travel restrictions, which essentially isolated the city for almost three years. Since fully reopening its borders in February, visitors arrived had re- had risen, had risen, led by the, those from mainland China, but still lags behind pre-pandemic levels. Hong Kong welcomed 4.077 million visitors in August, up up 14% from the previous month, according to the provincial data from the Hong Kong Tourism Board. In August 2018, the city saw nearly 6 million visitors, and even during the height of the pro-democracy protests in, in August 2019, the city welcomed 3.59 million arrivals. The Hong Kong TB, or Tourism Bureau, has blamed currency exchange rates, airline capacity, and global economic outlooks as factors affecting the pace of the tourism reboot. Or reboot. I don't know how they're able to get tourism in, because if they're able to get tourism in, they should find a way to get them in. Like appeal to them, find a way to get them in. Now I'm not a to- I'm not a I'm not a, a person who's talking who knows about tourism a lot. But hopefully the Hong Kong can find can get their brains out of their butt and maybe they can try to solve something that can actually help Hong Kong's economy and boost their economy up. Otherwise, it's gonna look like total crap and that's not gonna be fun. I can guarantee you for that. And what else? What else? Hong Kong can can give maybe they can give a little more maybe stop focusing so much on national security crap that would be something that they should stop focusing on focus on something that's a little bit more better something that they can actually put everything put everything much more higher stand higher priority because they're focused so much because then i can i can say that they're focusing so much on like the the national security law which doesn't really help really so I'm hoping that they don't focus on that too much, and hopefully they can focus on how to get tourism back on. And what other stuff we're gonna be talking about? And we also gonna talk about the law of illegal structures, and some other stuff. Well, we'll talk more after the break. Welcome back. Why Hong Kong's law on illegal structures is a mess? Well, we're gonna talk about that. There was a there was something engagingly optimistic about the official estate. That the Red Hill Estates, where some homeowners' illegal extensions were blamed for dangerous landslips during rough, during rough, um, during recent rough weathers, 
had maybe another 70 houses with illegal extensions of one kind or another. Come on people, let us be real, be more realistic. It is more likely that almost every house in the estate what has unapproved changes of one kind or another. This is only partly because rich people think the planning laws does not apply to them. Because you could you could say the same about almost any village in the new territories. The underlying problem is that Hong Kong planning laws are an possibly clumsy instrument when applied to low-rise housing. Consider the village of Sheldon in the UK, where one of my esteemed colleague, colleagues had a converted farmhouse to which he would retreat be, um, between bursts of academic activities. Sheldon is, Sheldon is in the English Peak District. It is not pretty in the conventional way that English villages are expected to be pretty. There are no half-timber cottages, no thatch roofs. Sheldon's claim to fame is that it has not changed its appearance in the last 300 years or in the 300 years or so. The houses are all low-rise and fairly basic. They are walled in the local stone and roofed in the local slate. The village is a popular backdrop for film and television companies making historical dramas. The uniformity of appearance is no accident. Every building in the village is now listed is now listed, which means any changes requires the approval of the local authority. Changes w- um, which would modify the appearance of a building are not simply allowed. You can have a double glazing if it looks like a single glazing. Central heating boilers must vent their flutes through an existing chimney. Window frames must be uh, must be wood or look like wood, and so it goes on. The concern with appearances is accepted by the villagers because it makes their home more attractive and valuable. Front gardens are carefully tra- or carefully tended to enhance the look of the place. The council follows its own rules. When it's reluctantly conceded the need for a bus shelter for, for the resulting construction in the local stone and slate, was an attempt to build what a bus shelter would have looked like if they had, had buses in the 1600s. Hong Kong is not, alas, nearly as good at preserving historical buildings as the UK is. But the rules applying to buildings are strikingly like those found in historic villages. Construction must follow the approved plan. The building, once completed, must remain as planned. Changes need permission, and unauthorized ones must be reversed. This makes perfect sense in, the, in a town where most modern residential buildings run to 30 floors or more. Failure to follow the structural parts of plans could lead to a major disaster. Flat owners cannot give free reins to fiddle with their property. Every flat has to support the flat above and protect from the elements the flat below. The intrusion on property rights make less sense when the house is just a house. Almost every house in the new territories has a flat roof, except the building's department is reading this mine. On which, on, on which the owner is expected to be able to walk. In theory, this is for open-air activities like sunbathing, barbecue, barbecue, or putting out the washing. However, it's a load-bearing floor, so most owners erect some sort of structures on it. Look at any rural village from the air and you can see and you see a fine variety of rooftop structures. Most or all of them illegal. This is encouraged by routine abuse of the small house policy under which indigenous villagers, if male, can build a three-story house. If the villager plans to stay in Hong Kong, he can have his house constructed as three flats. He can then inhabit the ground floor, let the other two live on live on the premises, and devote himself entirely to exploring the final points of mahjong. A nice rooftop structure will turn the top flat into some into something close to a duplex, permitting a higher rent and attracting a better class of tenants. Another odd feature of the small house policy is that the patch allocated to the house is exactly seven hundred square feet. The villager. Who has exercised his small house rights and now proposed to return to his home in Manchester can only can only sell you the house and nothing but the house. Even the land under the balconies and invariably supplied remains uh, remains the property of the government. 
which you are allowed to walk to your to reach your front door. Of course, in wet wetters, this turns into a slushy mud, leading to constructions of a path that expands by degrees into the into a patio on which you can park the shop park the shopping, while you fumble for your keys, inflate the kissed paddling pool, and other useful things. This looks a bit Spartan, so you add flowers, borders, and odd potted plants. You then discover that these are being browsed by local wild pigs and put up a fence. You are now in illegal occupations of government land. These abuses are so widespread, they are part of the culture. Architects will design and features which will facilitate um, scrupulous um, enlargements later. Builders do not ask if the job they are doing is approved by the government or anyone else. Homeowners who are well connected to the government consultative machinery or the local criminals fraternity, or both, they overlap allegedly. They do not have to worry about the, about complaints. If there is a complaint, the builder who removes the offending item will offer to restore it once the heat has died down. At the same time, inspections can be very picky. One official can be can be very picky picky once official alertness happens to switch on. When homeowners who obediently removed a glazed structure from his balcony was being used to visit to receive a visit from an inspector who did not wish to see whether the, gla- the glass had been removed, which he could see from the street, but wanted to see whether the um, the balustrade specified in the original plans had been restored had been respo- restored. The caprice reproach and which next which. Uh, in which nits are picked while white elephants in the room are ignored tends to discredit the whole whole system. People like <coughs> excuse me, people like CY Lug and me, who are scolded for having wine trellises in our yards, wonder if the relevant departments might have more important calls on its attention than garden f- furniture. The system is a mess. Ask him to ask to suggest ch- ask. To suggest changes, one is is tempted to apply that, as the Irishman puts it, when is asked and asked the way to the post office. If I were you, I would not start. I would not start from here. Still, we must try. Would it uh, would it be too daring to suggest the occupants of house up to four stories high should be allowed to make minor changes at their own risk? Well, of course, I'm not gonna lie to you. Many part the housing departments are being abused multiple times. No thanks to the colonial governments that allowed them to have in the new territories, of course. And they and they allow they would basically build the house and then eventually sell it and then they go back. It's basically an abuse systems. And usually these um rural committee chair of the of the Hungi Gulp would usually be high level and gangsterous when they're handling the situation. And also, who has the worst track rec- track record in Lechko right uh, in the past? La Wan Fat of the Hungi Gulp. I mean, they just don't care. Of course, they they are not elected anyway. They're not elected like by the people or any of that. They're elected within their own constituencies. So we can say that they're not actually democratically elected. The basic it's almost like I guess we can say like a monarchy crap, which is which is not the best way for me to put it, but at least but still at least that's why that's how I put it. I'm sorry for saying that, but that's how I put it. I just hate genuine hypocrites like them. Of course, because it just makes it it makes it so ridiculous that the governments are so afraid of these guys. I'm serious. They're so afraid of them. They're so afraid of what these um, hungry group have done, or what the hungry group might end up doing. And they are, in actuality, they shouldn't be afraid, cause they're the government. The government should be afraid of, should not be afraid of them. It feels like these guys should be afraid. The hungry group should be afraid of what the government does to them. And of course, the judge, lucky the judge, did actually took um, one of those um, rural committee chairs to court before. And they saying that they were contentious of the court, basically a you know a catch me if you can kind of thing, and if you dare this and that. I mean they handled the. I mean you can see a video in the past. The guy open the the guy named Hochi Khan open shirt. Sure, he's wearing sunglasses open shirt. Sure. He just like a looks like a Russian gangster. 
for wearing this, for doing this kind of things, of course. And they're so afraid. There's and these guys are so afraid of these of these kind of people, which you shouldn't be. Which they shouldn't be afraid. They should always put the foot down and have some balls to actually tell these tell these um groups the honey group mostly to put the foot down and try to do something. Cause they're not doing anything whatsoever. They're not trying to like stop them or or do something something that can actually give us some respect to the government. But there's just a point where they're making us not not being very um you know very protective of the government, nor we trust what the government can do. Cause they're like ah yeah it doesn't, doesn't even work. So oh there it goes. Housing sucks because if they didn't help us, I feel happier. Young Chinese leave this big city behind in search of a simple life in ceramics capital, Dingzhejin. China's porcelain capital, Dingzhejin, is is attracting droves of young people drawn to the, the city of artisans in the search of escape from the urban rat race amongst the ceramics workshop. The pic, uh, the picture, um, the picturesque eastern city. Eastern city home to China's best-known porcelain has seen an influx of young professionals seeking to learn an ancient ancient art taught there more than a thousand years. Chi- times are tough for young people in China, with young unemployment at record highs, sluggish e- economic growth, and for many, the opportunities their parent generation enjoy are not sim- are not simply attainable. But in Jinjiajin, they find something different: low rent, a slower pace of life, and a proximity to nature in the, in the city of just 1.6 million inhabitants. Very small by Chinese standards. For us, it would be big, but for Chinese standard, for the Chinese standards, it's pretty small. From her one-bedroom apartment on the seventh floor, He Yun, a 28-year-old illustrator, enjoys a paranop, a a panora- Panoramic view of the surrounding green hills for just 500 yuan, which is about 600, which is about 68 U.S. dollars a month. She arrived in Jingdezhen uh, Jing, uh, in June after being laid off and found a place where she didn't feel any pressure. I came because on social media everyone was saying that it was a great place for crafts fans like me, and that there was a sense of freedom. She said. When I lost my job, I stayed at I stayed at home and got depressed. But once I arrived here, I found that it is super easy to make friends. No one needs to set the alarm in the morning. She smiled. I have, I have zero pressure now. That's good for her. A typical day for her starts with a laid back breakfast before before heading to a workshop to make her ceramics candle candle holders and necklaces, which are then fired in one of the city's many kilns. At the end of the afternoon, we go we go to the surrounding villages and swim in the streams to relax, she said. I put I put my work on Xiaohong Shu, a Chinese a Chinese app similar to Instagram, where people contact me to buy. We but we mainly sell at the market, she said. Between trendy cafes, boutiques and stand and stand offers classes, bowls bowls, cups, teapots, plates, necklaces, or earrings. Chen Jia, Chen Jia, 24-year-old with dyed red hair, make feminist pendants in the shape of sanitary napkins. A music graduate who arrived in June, her first jobs as a piano teacher in a in, in, in a milk tea shop and cafe weren't like weren't to her liking. I'm looking for a meaning in my life, she said. Many young people today no longer wants to clock in at work at a fixed time. China's transformative economic rise was built on the backs of a growing middle class, who were promised they could they could enjoy the trappings of prosperity and give their children a better life if they worked hard enough. But the country's millennials and Gen Z have faced all the year different prospects. Youth unemployment has reached a record level, exceeding twenty percent according to official figures, and pay is low. And it is in that context that the Tangping counterculture has thrived. Literally meaning lying flat, it comes to represent a general rejection of society's expectations, giving up a great career and money to concentrate on a simple life and pleasures. And Jin, it has become a haven for those seeking 
was proceeding just there. At the Dashu Pottery School, around 20 students work with clay on their pottery wheel, or chat as they sip iced lattes. Training costs $4,500 4, yuan a month, which is about 617 US dollars, a very affordable price. Many young people cannot find work, explained the 39-year-old director who called herself Anna. They come here to reduce their anxiety. Ceramics are very accessible in two weeks. They can produce simple works and sell them at markets. One of them, Guo Yi Yang, 27 years old, resigned in March from a well-paid job as a computer programmer. After working overtime for years, he wanted... He said he wanted to take a briefer. In big cities, you just work. You don't have your own life, he said. I mean, he would never, he never again sees himself working that way. The desire for another way of life, this is also what motivates Xiao Fei, 27 years old, a former interior designer who resigned and came to Jing De Zhen in June. I didn't have time for myself, she said. I came home tired and then I didn't want to talk to others. I feel happier, more free, and I met pe- and I meet people who had the same ideals. According to media, thirty thousand young urbanites live in Jingdezhen in two thousand twenty-two. Few stay long-term, but Xiao already knows that she doesn't want to go back. After tasting his after tasting this new life, I don't want to go back to an office job at all. So any government officials that said, well, China youth is optimistic, oh, they're optimistic enough, they can do that. Um, it's funny because many of them actually barely find a job, barely find anything in their life. So for the, for the government to actually um, ignore that, it just sounds very, very funny. Because they're saying that they're just doing this just to make sure that they're actually trying to hide their, their crappy stuff. And it's funny that it's funny, but sad. By funny, it means that I'm saying it without um, laughing, without crying my butt off. One final report for today: We talked about the JPEX crypto scandal before. We talked about that um, last week and Monday as well. Two men released on bail after arrest over 1.52 billion dollars in JPEX crypto scandal. Hong Kong police have released two men on bail after the pair after the after the pair were handed over by Macanese by Macanese authorities for suspected involvement in the JPEX crypto scandal. The high-profile alleged fraud case, as the numbers of reports victims rise to 2,467, while losses total more than one and a half billion dollars. Police said on Sunday that the two men, age 29, were released on bail without charge after they were detained and subsequently deported by, Mac- by Macau's authorities on Saturday. The pair must report back to the police in late October. They were arrested by, poli- by Hong Kong police on Saturday at the Hong Kong Macau Ferry Terminal after Macau authorities detained them last Thursday and returned them to Hong Kong on Saturday. <laughs> As of Saturday, a total of 18 people have been arrested in Hong Kong over the alleged fraud case. People on Sunday, uh, pe- police said on Sunday that they received reports from a total of 2,467 individuals who, was, who said they were victims in the case, involving $1.522 billion of losses. No one has been formally charged in the case so far, at least for now. Police first detained four men and four women aged between 22 and 52, on suspicion of conspiracy to defraud around two weeks ago. Among those who were released on bail without charge were social media influencers Joseph Lam and Chang Yi. The arrestees, the arrestees were said to have used false advertising and unlawful means to lure victims to open accounts and make investments on JPEGs. The crypto platforms then imposed restrictions on withdrawal, withdrawal limits and raised their handling fees for withdrawal significantly leaving customers unable to withdraw their virtual assets, police allege. Conspiracy to the fraud warrants up to 14 years of imprisonment in Hong Kong. So there you go, Hong Kong. Hopefully you guys can focus, Hong Kong government, how about you focus on this kind of case? 
This is something that's more important and much more serious that can literally destroy people's life. You're focusing so much on national security, national security, and this is something that you guys focus on more than anything else. Hope you guys can change your mind and fix your brain up a bit. And also, say, and, and so what do you guys think? Should the Hong Kong government at least make the effort to fight this kind of things? And hopefully that they can fix it and not sit here and play around with themselves. And, and thank you for tuning in, guys. If you guys enjoy this podcast, make sure you tune in every Monday and Friday for our podcast. We also have a radio show coming up this Friday, so hope you guys can join in. And that's it for today, and we'll talk more and we'll talk more on Friday. This is Team Carol, my radio signing out. Hope you guys have a great day. Take care. At host my radio. It's on on every Monday and every Friday. And host my radio. Welcome to the show. Thank you.